This morning, we are going to continue in our series called Back to Basics. Uh, last week, and then a few weeks before, we covered the Bible, right? So the goal of this series is to give you a re-examination of what we believe and why. So our guide for this series comes from the FCA website. If you want to go to the next slide there, Mike. It's the FCA website. Can you blow it up at all? Can you uh, make it bigger? I don't know if you can. If you can't, I will read it to you. Uh, the first one says, no, don't go down. That's all right. First one says, the Bible is the only inspired, infallible, and authoritative word of God. That was what we studied the last few weeks here. Uh, the one that we're going to study this week is this. There is one God, say one God, eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. The first statement has to do with our belief in the Bible. It's inspired, infallible, and authoritative. Second is we believe in one God, say one God, eternally existent in three, say three, persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, for many of you, and I'm going to say many, this is going to be familiar territory. If you remember, if you were here last year in August, I preached two messages on the Trinity that were pretty comprehensive. And you may think, well, what, is, what else is there I need to know? For some of you, this is going to be brand new material. In fact, uh, I didn't just take the you know message I preached last year and just, you know, hey, let's preach that again. There's new material for everybody for sure, but then there's also a lot of familiar material. So just like in reading the Bible, how many know that for us, the essence and study of the Trinity, the essence of who God is, is something that we need to study and study, and study, and study, and study. The essence of who God is, discovering who he is, means that we need to investigate. We need to dig deep. How many, how many would like to understand the truth of God? How many want to understand the truth of his character and who he is and how he moves in our life? I want to understand God on that level. When we look at the Trinity, we see something that is complex, but also simple. How many ever uh, read the Bible and you read the same passage of Scripture you've read a hundred times before, but this time when you read that Scripture, all of a sudden something new pops out at you, right? Something, some new meaning, some new perspective, some new inspiration, some new insight, personal revelation in your life. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you through Scripture. So we have studied the Trinity before, and we will likely study it again in the future. But perhaps in this study today, you will experience an aspect of God in a way that you have never experienced before. A different way. One pastor said this. I like this. He said, I think no matter how accurate our theology is, the truth is that we do not really plumb the depths of who God is. Scripture tells us that God is great, that His greatness is unsearchable, that there is something that theologians call the unsearchableness of God or the inscrutable aspect of who God is, that He is unfathomable, that He is impossible for us to fully comprehend or to fully understand. 
God is an ocean to which there is no bottom. And at our very best, we're just like children who are splashing around on the shores of what he has revealed himself to be. Nevertheless, while we cannot have comprehensive knowledge of God, we can have a true knowledge of God. That is, we can know him because though God is transcendent and infinitely far above us, he is also imminent. He is also among us. He has made himself near and he has made himself known to us through the gospel. To think that the creator of the universe, all-powerful, beyond comprehension, is still knowable. I say all that to say this. Don't see the study of God and his word as something repetitive in your life. You say, well, i got to read my Bible again. Yes, you're discovering new truths, new insights, new perspectives. Well, okay, we're going to open up our Bibles again. Don't see it as repetitive and tedious, but be open to the opportunity for new inspiration by the Holy Spirit. Amen? How many want to be inspired by the Holy Spirit? I do. I hope hands go up. How many are afraid to raise your hand? Oh, hey, look at that. Oh, <laughs> K-Dog, good job. In preaching on this subject previously, we established the difference between simple truth and deep truth. How many know simple truth is low-hanging fruit? Right? It's low-hanging fruit. In case you don't know what that means, it's easy to get to. How many ever went apple picking? How many ever picked an apple? Come on. What's going on here? You guys haven't picked apples? Go to an apple farm and pick an apple, for crying out loud. It's October. It's time to do it. Uh, Low-hanging fruit is easy to get to, right? How many know there's some high fruit? There's some fruit that's high in the trees that if you want that, you have to climb for it. You have to work for it. You have to, you have to get there, right? There is a difference between simple truth and deep truth. The simple truth is that God is our creator. Simple truth, right? Good stuff. The deeper truth goes into the intricacies of creation and physiology and geography and physics and time and space. You want to do a study on quantum physics and talk about God. It's amazing stuff. We're not going to do that this morning. I tried to do that once before. It did not go well. Everybody went to sleep, not just Jeff. Everybody went to sleep. That's just how it goes. It's an interesting thing that when we look at the Trinity and we look at the concepts of the Trinity, virtually none of it is simple truth and all of it is deep and complex. You go, okay. To even repeat the statement from the FCA, it seems like something that shouldn't make logical sense, right, Tim? It doesn't make logical How can there be one God, say one God, eternally existent in three persons, say three persons? To even repeat the statement seems illogical. So if we were to break this down to the simple, the Trinity is who? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's simple truth. You can say, what's the Trinity? This is what it is. Now you say, uh, what is the Trinity? Where did it come from? The word Trinity, you're not going to find in Scripture. It was originated in Latin by a guy named Tertullian, uh, theologian way back when. And so you're not going to find it in Scripture, but it, it, what it means is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three persons of God. But now we're going to move from the simple, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, into what is deeper territory, because we don't believe in three gods. Let's make that very clear. We don't believe in three gods. That's called tritheism. 
That would be a false teaching. And so sometimes, in people trying to explain the Trinity, we use analogies that people can understand. So we have a very a limited understanding of how to, how to convey who God is or what the Trinity is. So how many ever heard about the, the analogy of the egg? Okay, so if you're teaching about the Trinity, a lot of times people go, yeah, the egg. There's three parts of the egg. What are the three parts of the egg? The shell, the yolk, and the white. Or the, is it called albumin? I think it's called albumin. Anyway, it's the, it's the white. It's what we all know as the white. So it's yolk, white, shell, right? And so here's what we'll say. There's three parts, but it's just one egg. And you'll say, oh, yeah, the Trinity, I get it. But that's not the Trinity. And you say, well, why not? Well, because of this. The problem is the shell is not equal to the white. And the yolk is not equal to the, to the shell. And the yolk is also not equal to the white. And the yolk and the shell and the white are not equal. Okay? When we look at the Trinity, we look at God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are looking at one God in three persons that are fully equal. So when we say, well, well what about uh, water? And so we say there's different, different. Uh, oh, what do they say? Help me out here. States of matter, right. So we have water is liquid, gas, and solid, right? That's basic 101 type stuff. That's the different stages or states of water. And we go, well, is this, is, is, I mean, it's all water, but just different states or different manifestations. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. But all the analogies that we have are imperfect. Because in essence, there is no perfect analogy we have. We only have our feeble human attempts to try and use simple objects to, to explain fantastic, amazing mysteries. And they are fantastic. These are these great spiritual mysteries. And I want to be very clear here. When it comes to the Trinity, it is a mystery. In fact, the Bible refers to it as a holy mystery. We see it to be true. We know it to be true. Scripture shows us clearly that it's true, but it's also difficult to comprehend or clearly explain. And so that makes my job real simple because I'm the one that has to try to explain it. One textbook reads this. All study of the nature of God defies our full comprehension, but the triunity of God is the greatest of all divine mysteries. Simple math tells us that 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 3. Good job. 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 3. However, concerning God, we see an equation that is hard to grasp, and that's that 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1. And you go, Pastor David, how can that make sense? How does the Bible show us this? The Scriptures we see for the 1 and the 3 are evident. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this. That's bigger. Can you all see it? Good. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. How many is that? Three. May they be with you all. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Is that contradictory? No. It's not. You say, well, how can it not be? John 14, 16. Jesus is speaking here and says this. Jesus is speaking says, and I will ask the Father, 
and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. We know that advocate to be the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? I know this is getting deep, but that's all right. Now, if, if you think you, this is a little confusing so far, you're going to be really confused by this. Genesis 1, verse 26 through 27 says this. Then God, say God, said, let us, say us, make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Let me slide. So God created mankind in his own image. Say his. That's singular. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. But if we go to the verse before, it says, in our image, let us make man. So we see both the use of the singular and the plural. We see that God is one, but we also see the plural, one and three. I like what one commentary says. It says, the triunity of God is a foundation stone of the Christian belief. The truth is that every time, say every time, every time the truth of God is compromised, every time the Trinity is compromised, many other foundations are either compromised or abandoned. Those who deny the Trinity often deny the virgin birth. They deny the deity or the, the divine aspect of Christ. They, divide the, they deny the atonement through Christ's blood. They deny the personality of the Holy Spirit. Now, before we move on, I want to make sure that we understand or have a clear understanding of what the Trinity is not. That is, there are false beliefs about the Trinity that have tried to make their way into biblical Christianity. One, uh, many groups will present a belief in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but they will present them in false ways. So, most of these groups are referred to as cults. Say cults. Uh, a cult is a group usually started uh, by a specific person, and what they'll do is they take some biblical truth and they'll mix in lies with it. So if you look at the Mormon church, Mormons are not Christians. I think we need to have a full understanding of this. Jehovah's Witnesses are not Christians. They are in a cult. You say, man, they're some of the, some of the nicest people I know. Nice, but ultimately deceived. Very nice people, but ultimately incredibly deceived. You say, well, Pastor David, why is that? Now, we've done studies on Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses before. But I want you to understand that what they do is they take, let's take, let's take just Mormonism for this, for this example. Mormonism talks about Jesus, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I highly doubt anybody in my family is going to watch this this morning, uh, but, my, but I, I'm going through some things with my family right now to where someone in my family is being taken in by Mormonism. And they say, well, it's about Jesus. The problem is that within Mormonism, it's not about Jesus of the Bible. It's about a false Jesus. 
And you say, well, how is that? Well, they believe that Jesus and Lucifer are spirit brothers. They believe Jesus to be a God, but not the God. And actually, they believe even the God of this earth used to live on a planet of his own, and because he was a good person, that he got this planet, and we are his subjects. Not only that, and this is where it gets pretty rough. They believe that there was a war in heaven. So Lucifer rejected God, took a third of the angels with him, things like that. And this is a paraphrasing of, of what it is. But that there was a war in heaven. And that those who fought valiantly in the war, in the war are born to the earth with white skin. And those who didn't are born to the earth with any other color. And that hurts me to say that there are, up until 1979, they didn't allow black people to serve in the church. And then all of a sudden, the president of the, of the church, they got, he got a new revelation from the Lord and said, wow, everything we believed before is now new. Now we can let the black people in and do what they got to do. How horrific is that? They are leading people away from Jesus rather than towards him. You say, well, they're so nice. They're so deceived. As Christians, as believers, as believers in Jesus of the Bible, it is our job to understand what we believe and why. That's why we're doing this study right now. That's why we're doing this series right now. That's why we're getting back to basics. Because I truly believe that if people don't understand the basics, if they don't understand what is true Christianity versus false Christianity, what is, what is the difference between true Christianity and a cult? If people don't understand those things, they are going to be swept away by what the Bible calls every wind of doctrine. And so we have to have a clear understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, and what the Trinity is in our life. So the different cults, there's a lot of them out there. <clears throat> Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science which is neither Christian or scientific, but regardless. Uh, Scientology is not a cult. It's just a bunch of weirdos. How many know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's a lot of weirdos out there. Um, alien stuff. You don't want to get into it. But, you know, Tom Cruise, so it is what it is. Uh, a lot of different beliefs out there, and what they do is they, they take away from the Trinity. They take away from the understanding of who God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are, and therefore, a lot of other things fall by the wayside. Here's what else we do not believe about the Trinity. We also don't believe that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three forms or manifestations of one God. So we talked about the analogy of water. Let's say, well, sometimes it's liquid, sometimes it's solid, sometimes it's gas. Those are three manifestations of the same thing. That is called modalism. Three manifestations or three forms. It's a bad analogy. All water, but three different forms, right? That's not what we see in the Bible. Here is what we see in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. We're going to start in verse 13. A lot of you guys are familiar with this. It is when Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan. I've been to Israel. I've been to the Jordan River, and, and uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's really cool. Mike, you were baptized in the Jordan, right? Amen. That's awesome, man. If you have an opportunity to go, go. Amen? It's a good time. Then Jesus came from Galilee 
to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you call me? Or you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be now. so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, listen to this carefully. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. That's the Holy Spirit coming down, descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Say, well pleased. If the belief was modalism, if the truth was modalism, it would mean that there is no Trinity and that Jesus manifested himself in three ways. He manifested himself as the Father, as the Spirit, and as himself. But if we read that Scripture with that belief, here's how it would read. Listen to this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he, Jesus, went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and Jesus saw the Spirit of Jesus descending like a dove and alighting on Jesus. And Jesus' voice said from heaven, This is my Son, Jesus, whom Jesus loves, and with Jesus' I, Jesus, am well pleased. Absolute nonsense, right? Absolute nonsense. It's not three manifestations of God. None of that makes sense. This is why it's so important for us to understand what we believe. So we aren't swept away by false teaching. One pastor said it this way. The pattern that you find almost uniformly throughout the New Testament is to pray to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praying to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the balance that involves the whole of the Trinity. Last week, we saw that Jesus wasn't just present and active in the New Testament, we looked at the Old Testament. How? Because Jesus is fully God. He didn't just show up in the New Testament, right? He didn't just like, oh, hey, Son of God, there you go. He's been at work. He's been eternal. Fully God. People who don't understand the Trinity, let me say this carefully and clearly, People who don't understand the Trinity do not understand the Word of God. People who don't understand the Trinity do not understand the Word of God. If you uh, don't understand the Trinity, you place less importance on the Old Testament than you do the New. It's an interesting thing. When we don't understand the Trinity, you place less importance on the Holy Spirit's writing through Paul than you do on the words of Jesus. If all three are equal in essence and power, now they may have different functions, we'll get into that a little bit, but they have different functions, but equal in essence and power, that means the writing of the Holy Spirit through Paul is equal to the words of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you are aware of this this morning, but there are many so-called believers, people who call themselves Christians, who consider entire portions of the Bible to be less inspired because the words weren't specifically spoken by Jesus. I don't know if you've heard of this before. There, there, there are people who are referred to as red-letter Christians. 
How many have your Bibles with you? How many have a Bible with you that's a red letter edition? How many have, have one? Is it red letter? If you would open up your Bible, the words of Jesus are in red. So it was something that came out many, many years ago, and it showed just the words of Jesus were put in red. Now, if you aren't familiar with this group, the group specifically was founded by, an, by a pastor named Tony Campolo. How many ever heard of Tony Campolo before? He's been around for a long time. Uh, he said this, the words of Jesus take precedence over all other words of Scripture. Now, what he's saying here is that the rest of the Bible is less inspired by or carries less weight. These are the words of a man who doesn't understand the Trinity. These are the words of a man who, therefore, because he doesn't understand the Trinity, he speaks lies to believers. To understand the Trinity is to understand this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are not three gods. They are also not three manifestations of one God. We believe there is one God eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now there's some people who would say, I understand some of that, but not all of that. It's pretty confusing. And I understand that. It can be confusing. It's why we study and we study and then 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 we study. And then what do we do, Steve? Study. And then what do we do, Tim? Take a break and then study again. Why? It's important for us to understand. We want to know God more intimately, to, to understand him more fully. Amen? Now, I don't want to leave you confused this morning. This isn't a long message. You're going to probably get out a little early. You can, uh, you know, enjoy a little bit of a longer lunch period, whatever it may be. I don't want to leave you confused, but the thing is this. It is a mystery. In our faith, it is a mystery. But there are still some aspects of it we can understand. The Trinity provides us with a balance in our faith. It does. It provides us with a balance in our faith. The work of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all these three, equal in power, substance, equal in glory, are one in essence. All members of the Trinity have, are equal in essence, but they don't have the same roles. Let's say different roles. So the Father did his job. Christ has his job, or that not did, but is continuing to do, his job. Christ has his job, and the Holy Spirit has his job. Different jobs, different functions, but equal in power in essence, right? I want to end this morning by having us remember this. The Father had a plan. The Son accomplished that plan at the cross, and the Spirit leads us towards salvation because of the Son and because of the Father. Would you stand this morning? You know, in teaching on the Trinity, uh, I looked at the messages that I preached around last year and I went, man, do I really want to, I mean, do I just want to preach the two messages again, Tim? Honestly, that's kind of what I was thinking. I thought, boy, do I, do I really want to take away from the two messages? And then I looked at the messages, and I remembered what the messages were about. One was about the Trinity, a lot of what we went through here today. The second one got into quantum physics and 
quantum mechanics and all the different scientific aspects of things. And that's where everybody fell asleep, Doug. <laughs> and then I thought, well, do I want to just take the two and kind of combine them? The thing is this, the Trinity is confusing enough. The mystery of God can be confusing enough, and so I don't want to overwhelm anybody. We could study the Trinity for the rest of the year and have more than enough material to understand God the Father, to understand God the Son, to understand God the Holy Spirit, to understand all three in one, to understand the essence of who they are, the functions of what they did, the functions of what they're doing today. But I don't want to overwhelm you. This is the basics of the Trinity. And when we get into it, some people would say, yeah, I've never heard of this before. I don't know about the Trinity. I don't know too much about it. Study. Study the Bible. Study the Scripture. Pray. Lord, reveal these things to me with an understanding that it is a mystery. It is something we will never fully comprehend. It's something that is illogical to us, but entirely logical to God. And so we go, God, I don't understand it all, but I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. I can be content in not understanding it all. I can be content in not knowing it all. I can be content in saying, all right, God, you got this. In teaching on the Trinity this morning, I want to encourage you to really, when you go home, don't just leave this here. Study this on your own. Study how the Trinity functions. Pray about how God functions in your life, in your friend's life, in your family's life, in your neighbor's life. How does the Holy Spirit point you to Jesus? It's not low-hanging fruit. You got to climb the tree a bit. You got you got sometimes you got to climb a lot. Sometimes it wears you out. It's not always easy to dig in, but it's how we grow and it's how we mature as believers. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for those who are here as well as those who are watching online. I pray that as we just touch the surface of what the Trinity is, you would give those listening a hunger for you and for your word. Lord, let them, let them study your word and see the truth of who you are. Lord, I thank you that you had a plan and that we are a part of your plan. Lord, I pray over those hearing me today. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. Lord, we thank you for healing in their lives. And we pray that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen.